Well, good morning, church. On one of these days, I really want someone grouchy enough to say, well, what makes it so good? Well, what makes it so good? Thank you. (laughs) Today is the day before a really great holiday. Anybody know what really great holiday it is? Uh, no. No. Reformation Day. (laughs) So, I mean, it is before Halloween. You're not wrong. I don't want to make you... I don't want to cause you to have some sort of a panic attack now, but, um, but, uh, but yeah, tomorrow is uh, what we in the church have observed as Reformation Day. Um, so today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you some Latin. You ready? Okay. You listening? All right. The first phrase is Semper Reformanda. Say it. Semper Reformanda. Good job. That means always reforming. Uh, and then the next one is my absolute favorite. It's, it's more fun to say. It's post tenebras lux. So, post tenebras lux. That's after darkness light. Tomorrow we don't celebrate a dark holiday. We celebrate a day where the Lord rescued his church by the power of his word for, uh, for countless centuries of darkness and suffering of tradition being, being uh, the, the superseding truth to actual truth. So when we go into sermons like this, it's not, okay, now worship is ended. Uh, now, now go ahead and, and engage your minds and drive forward. It's actually a continuation of worship. And that's why I like that song we just sang. Speak, O Lord, till your church is built and the earth is full of your glory. Um, our text for today has actually been rolling in the, in the back of my mind for several weeks now. Uh, it's been, it, it, there, there are particular reasons for that, and we'll get to that. Um, but let me actually start with praying. Lord, I ask for you to speak. Speak to us individually. Speak through the truth of your word. And speak uh, through me, a, a faulty servant in need of the same message that I'm about to deliver. God, help uh, me to serve you well. May I not be lazy in your work. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Our text today has been stuck in my mind because it is completely out of place. If you were to pick up and read Jeremiah chapter 48, what you're going to find is a curse on the nation of Moab. Moab was an enemy of, uh, of, of Israel, of Judah, really, uh, but Moab was an enemy of Israel, and uh, they were a nation that, that was nearby, and they attacked, and they, um, they, they, they would... Uh, they, they would basically take over towns. Like this is how it worked at the time, right? And a neighboring nation would kind of push the territory in and then they would push the territory out, right? Because again, you would bolster your defense. And Moab was constantly uh, killing Israelites. And so Jeremiah 48 is a pronouncement of, uh, of judgment on Moab. And... Um, and so right, not really in the middle, but, but chapter or uh, verse 10 is almost like a parenthetical additive. Now, that was a lot of syllables. What that, what that means is like 
like when you add a parentheses, right? Have you ever been talking to someone and then realized that you maybe need to add some clarification and you go, and by the way, that's what a, parenth a parenthetical statement is, right? Um, and this sits there as almost that. And if you pick up commentaries, scholarly commentaries, you know what they do is they just jump over this verse most of the time because it's so out of place, it's almost confusing. And I love confusion. Anyway, um, so let's... Let, let's, let's spend some time thinking about, uh, the sermon title is Don't Be Lazy in the Lord's Work, and you'll see why, um, but, uh, but go ahead and open up your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 48, um, and, uh, and I, want, I want you to think as you're doing that, if you're not already there, think of where Moab is on a map. Have you seen it? No, you have not seen it. Because it just so happens that God surely fulfills his promises. Promises for destruction, promises for restoration. Uh, Moab was wiped out. God was true to his promise, just as he is sure to be true to the substance of our verse today. So Jeremiah chapter 48, verse 10. You ready? Cursed is he who does the work of the Lord with slackness. And cursed is he who keeps back his sword from bloodshed. This is the word of the Lord. Now, the historical context of this verse makes perfect sense. Um, what, what Israel was supposed to do is they were supposed to purify their land. And they were supposed to work to wipe out neighboring nations who decided to step foot in their land. But Israel had fallen... Um, Israel had broken into two different countries, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And, um, and what had happened is they were no longer united. And they were no longer picking up their sword against the Lord's enemies. Instead, instead, they were being slack in the Lord's work. Now, in that verse, cursed is he who does the work of the Lord with slackness. What does it mean to be cursed, right? So in you reading this verse, did you just get some sort of a witch's curse on you? Is, uh, did, did, did you just all of a sudden pick up this and, and now you've got like a mark on the back of your neck or on your forehead? Are you? <laughs> no, that's not what this means. The word, the word here for cursed uh, means doom, Okay, so let's, let's read it like that. Doomed is he who does the work of the Lord with slackness. It means to bring doom to their spiritual or perhaps their eternal state. Somebody who does God's work with slackness is cursing themselves. It's a, it's a personal harm. It means to work for their own harm. Like somebody who decides to eat 10 candy bars a day, which is going to happen to all of us, let's be honest, over the coming weeks. 10 candy bars a day, or a person who drinks only Pepsi instead of water. These people are cursing themselves to become diabetics. But the harm that's promised in Jeremiah 48.10 is infinitely worse. And again, how are they, how are they dooming themselves? How are, they, how are they walking towards harm? Because they're doing the Lord's work with slackness. Now, if you have a King James Version, uh, you read that the word here is deceitfully, 
which is kind of a poor translation. The word, the, the word that's actually there means slackness, right? Uh, it's, it's like when you're, when, when, uh, when you're trying to help someone and they say, give me a little bit more slack on the rope, right? They, they want a little more looseness. They don't want to be so taut. They don't want to be so tight. Um, so, so when you read the word deceitful in the King James Version, uh, like, it kind of makes sense, right? Like, somebody who does the Lord's work with deceitfulness, right? Okay, well, who do we think of? We think of Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5, how they lied about how much they sold the land for, right? They literally walked into a room, lied, and their doom was fulfilled. They both just died. Corpses on the floor. Um, and now a song is playing in my head, and if you know, you know. Um, so so the, uh, what, what, what happened to them is they did the Lord's work with slackness. They sold their property with absolute zeal, but then when they came before uh, Peter and the rest of the apostles, they slackly said, well, you know what, uh, this, is, this is what we sold it for. But they deceitfully did it, right? They lied. So when we think about slackness, though, it's not just lying, it's not just being deceitful, it's about doing it lazily or without a tight grip on it. Some of the best illustrations in the entire Bible are, are surrounding the individual titled the sluggard. Okay, great word, sluggard. Oh, you sluggard, right? Um, so here's, here's just a couple verses. And I love these word pictures. They make you want to laugh until you realize, oh, wait, that's kind of me sometimes. But Proverbs 26, verses 13 to 16, listen to these. The sluggard says, there's a lion in the road. There's a lion in the streets. Is there a lion in the streets? No, but he's coming up with an excuse to not go out that day. This is more than an introvert. This is somebody that will come up with any wacky reason to not do what they're supposed to do. Or this next one, as a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. <laughs> and you can almost hear the creaking. <laughs> somebody who just can't, they just don't want to get up. Now, this is not someone who can't get up. This is someone that's like, you know what, my bed is softer than uh, the field today, so I'm not going to go out and till it. I'm just going to lay here. Or the next one, the sluggard buries his hand in the dish. It wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. So lazy he can't even eat. You bum. Or verse 16, the sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. I'm sure we've all met and been that person. So these people have no desire to do their work. Their labor, their, their, it's another word for fool, but not just a fool, not somebody who's just foolish. This guy's a sluggard as a door turns on its hinges. That's going to be stuck in your head all day. This is a person who's not serious about doing work to even eat. What about for the Lord's work? So if we're going to take the word pictures of the sluggard and we're going to apply it to, to someone who's doing the Lord's work. Now, I, what struck me so crazily about this verse is this is someone doing the Lord's work, right? Cursed is the person who's doing the Lord's work. If you just stop it there, you're like, what? And I encourage you, read Jeremiah 48 later and just realize how out of place this statement is. But, but when, like, if, if, if you were to just say, cursed is the person doing the Lord's work, it's like, well, why, why go to church? 
But there's that qualifier, with slackness. So how does it, how does it look to do the work, the work of the Lord with slackness? Well, the end of that verse gives a great picture. Somebody who's, who's not willing to pick up the sword to bloodshed, right? God's enemies, or I'm sorry, God's people's enemies are at hand. They're coming. They're charging. And the sluggard, the slack Lord's worker is sitting there like, well, you know, my sword's all the way over there. And I'm sure there's someone more qualified than me. And, you know, there's no real reason to help. I'm not that great of a warrior anyway. I'm probably just going to go out there and get gouged. Um, it's, this isn't going to go well. Well, they forget that what they're doing is supposed to be for the Lord. Or they just don't care. So what does it look like to do the Lord's work with slackness? In a New Testament context, in a New Covenant context, because I guarantee you are not supposed to go out today and pick up a sword and go murder all the atheistic business owners out there. That is not your job. I am saying it publicly. It's getting recorded. <laughs> I am free from guilt. So here's three areas that doing the Lord's work with slackness can manifest, all right? The first one is a slackness to truth, a looseness with truth. Martin Luther uh, said this. He said, you should not believe your conscience and your feelings more than the word. <laughs> it's, it's a very trite statement. And if you know Martin Luther, man, that's, the trite statements were his absolute specialty. But, but uh, in fact, here's my recommendation. Go home, Google the words uh, Martin Luther insult generator and just keep clicking next. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but, but a slackness to truth, that's one way that doing the Lord's work with slackness looks. Being, it's, it's being slack in correcting our doctrine, which means teaching, the things that we've been taught, right, uh, to that which is in the Word. Have you ever heard the phrase, you're playing fast and loose with the truth? Usually that's said to a child who's deciding to try and justify themselves for their naughty actions, right? They're trying to steer the facts into, uh, into making them sound better. But, but in reality, that's all of us. We play fast and loose with the truth. When we, when we are not bound to God's word, what we find is there's a slackness in our faith. It begins, our, our, our faith and our walk start to, start to loosen up. They start to shake free, and we start to suffer in ways that we didn't think we necessarily would. And I'm not saying like, oh, your life is going to suffer if you're not in the Word. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that you, you stop finding it a natural instinct to trust God. You stop finding it a natural instinct to get corrected by the Word. What you find is you're arguing with the Bible and ultimately arguing with God. If we are slack to what God says in his word, slack to truth, we can invent our own truth, and we make our own gods, and we find that we're cursed. We're dooming ourselves. We're self-harming. Another area is slackness in our battle with sin. Uh, Paul says in Colossians 3, verse 5, he says, Put to death, literally translated, murder, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. If you are slack in your own battle with your sin, you're walking a road to destruction. Romans 8.13, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. 
But if by the Spirit you put to death, again, literally murder, the deeds of the body, you will live. You ever think about your war with sin like that? Like you're supposed to pick up the sword for bloodshed? And you're supposed to go to war against yourself? The duty of the Christian is to do battle with his or her sinful nature, to make sure that old man stay dead and not revive. And let me promise you, you'll find that somehow that sucker keeps on getting up. You drown him, you, you, you uh, choke him, you throw him in the closet and put on as many locks as you can, and you will find that that old man somehow revives, and you must put him to death again. The true Christian is not slack to run to the Lord in those circumstances and plead for forgiveness and restoration, confessing his sins to God and others. If you have sin in your life that you have not confessed to God, that, if you, that you have not pled for forgiveness or help on, you may be walking towards a curse. The term backsliding is both appropriate and it also falls short uh, of the one who concedes in their battle to sin who says, well, you know what, I'm sure that's sin, especially for me, but I, I think I can get away with it. I, I, th I think that'll fit. I, I think I'm okay with this. The one who grows lazy or sluggardly in his battle with sin is cursing himself. So first one is a slackness to truth. The second is a slackness to their battle with sin. And a third way that it can manifest is a slackness to service. Ooh, this is a fun one for Christians. Oh, how I wish that we would hear this message, right? Uh, a Christian's strength is meant to be spent in serving others. To use our bodily functions to serve the body of Christ, to glorify the Lord. No true Christian hides in a hole their, their spiritual walk. That's why, that, that's why, again, church history for me is fun. You've got this group of Jews called the Essenes who hide in caves and have their little spiritual kumbayas, and they think that they're true Jews and everybody else is not a true Jew. And here's Jesus engaging with the public, and the Essenes are saying, you know, the only thing that Jesus does wrong is he goes out and preaches to the public. He should hide out in the wilderness and have people come to him. That same mentality is in so many Christians. I shouldn't have to go into the world and preach the gospel. I shouldn't have to go help my neighbor. I shouldn't have to show up to church. I shouldn't have to do all these things. Uh, that I, I, it should just naturally happen. I'm just going to grow in my Christian walk. No, no. Uh, that person is delusional. That person is walking to their doom. They are cursed because they have grown slack in their service to the Lord. Now, these all sound well and good, and you might be saying, hey, preacher, I'm sorry, you just touched my personal uh, idol. My golden calf is starting to fall over, and I don't like it. Uh, something you said really hurt me. I'm, I'm injured. But where are you getting these things from the Bible? Right? You're just making up things. That's a nice TED Talk you got going on there. Um, at, Pastor John today decided to read Deuteronomy 6.6 6 and 6.7. Preceding Deuteronomy 6.6 6 and 6.7 is what's known as the Shema. It was the single most important declaration of faith to the Jews. Uh, there, there, there is, uh, the, um, in fact, what John read, the like, teach these to your children, right? What you're supposed to teach is Deuteronomy 6.4 and 6.5. 
And when Jesus was confronted by a scribe, some translations say a lawyer, uh, basically an expert in the law, was confronted and, and, and said, you know, teacher, what, uh, what's the most important thing in the law? Jesus says, well, what's in the law? How do you read it? And he says, well, to love the Lord your God with all your uh, mind, soul, heart, and strength, um, and to love your neighbor as yourself. What the, and Jesus says, said, yeah, you're right. That's actually it. That's, that's, the, sum, that's the summation of the law of Moses. Um, so, uh, but what he quoted there was actually Deuteronomy 6.5. So Deuteronomy 6.4 is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord your God is one. He is one God. He's not a series of gods. Um, we know in Trinitarian truth that he is three persons in one God. That's not multiple gods. Uh, but but the, the Israelite would, would declare that because in every other religion, you had these local deities, and Israel stood completely, significantly different in that regard. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord our God is one. And following that is Deuteronomy 6.5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Now, over the centuries, uh, kind of the meaning here was lost, but you had these three things, heart, soul, strength, okay? The heart was the Hebrew concept of the mind. This was the heart, your thinking, where you, th your, your thinker, uh, your, your, your thinker box, right? That's, that was your heart. That's how, the, that's how the ancient Hebrew saw this. So when this was inspired, uh, you could think that it started with mind. So when you read uh, the, the scribe quoting Deuteronomy 6.5 and Leviticus 19.18, the love your neighbor is yourself, he adds mind at the end, and it's because over the course of time, when the Greek, New Test or Greek Old Testament was translated, uh, the meaning had shifted. And so, um, so the, the, the Septuagint actually has the word mind at the end, even though it's technically the first one. But, <laughs> but, the, but the, the, way, the way that it was expressed in Deuteronomy 6.5 originally, heart is the Hebrew concept of mind. Love the Lord your God with all of your thoughts with all of your learning, with all of your uh, intuitions. The second was the, the soul, the Hebrew concept of the wills or the affections. Eventually, this became the heart. Uh, so lo love, love the Lord your God with all your desires. Love the Lord your God with all your affection. Love the Lord your God with all your, your innermost being. And the last one, strength. Strength is the Hebrew concept of bodily ability. That didn't change, but <laughs> that one's pretty obvious. Uh, <laughs> so love the Lord your God with all that you do with your actions, head, heart, hands. You learn, it, it turns your affections, and you do. So where did I get those three principles that I said, the slackness that it can start arriving? I got it from Deuteronomy 6.5. If you start to have a, a, a slackness, a looseness with your love of God in your heart, your soul, or your strength, in your head, your heart, your hands, you are dooming yourself. You are, you are slowly walking the path to destruction because your love for God no longer plays out. You no longer do the Lord's work because you don't love the Lord. 
So those three categories, slackness in truth is a failure of serving the Lord with your mind. Slackness in the battle with sin is a failure of serving the Lord with your soul. Slackness in service is a failure to serve the Lord with your body. If you are not serving, if you are not uh, 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 cleansing your soul with, with, with constantly fighting against your sin, if you are not serving the Lord with learning good stuff, I mean, for goodness sakes, I tried to listen to the new Taylor Swift album. It's not that great. Anyway, so, <laughs> but if you, are, if, you, if you don't spend your time thinking on truth or, 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 or doing battle with yourself for, for against sin or serving the Lord's body with your body, you're cursed. You're cursing yourself. Cursed is the one who is slack in doing the Lord's work. Walking toward doom is the one who's not zealous for the truth, for its defense and proclamation, who does not rely on God's word uh, to arbitrate truth for them who resists correction or fails to rest in what God has said. Um, I, I, I want to point out here that, that God does not need defending. Charles Spurgeon once said, uh, once said, you don't need to defend a lion in the cage, just let the lion out of the cage. <laughs> it's, God is that lion. He does not need defending. You don't need to stand up for God. God does, Jesus did not need help raising Lazarus from the dead. However, God often uses his servants to defend the gospel, just like he had others roll the stone off of Lazarus' tomb. Jesus didn't go push the rock off. Instead, he said, go remove the stone. And everybody's like, nah, man, he's going to stink. It's been several days, dude. He's dead. <laughs> so, God does not need defending, but sometimes you do have to stand up. Moving toward destruction is the one who doesn't take their sin seriously or too harshly judges the sin in others while ignoring their own sin. You ever look at the speck in someone else's eye while ignoring the log in your own? If you aren't taking the battle with your own sin seriously or you're in disbelief that you're still not steeped in sin then you are deluded and in need of the Lord's redeeming work in your life. And frankly, if you really don't think you're that sinful, ask your spouse. Or, or, or if you're not married, ask the person you spend the most time with. And cursed is the one who doesn't serve the Lord with their whole body. Now, I want to point out, um, God never expects people to serve out of what they don't have. If you are exhausted... If you are absolutely tired or sick or, or incapable of doing certain things, then don't do them. Christ did not chastise or correct the widow for putting in only a few small copper coins, but instead he celebrated her faithfulness. We are to serve Christ with what we have, not, the, not what we don't. So if you're not strong enough to help move chairs today, as we, after service, we need to move the chairs if you're willing to help. If you're not strong enough to move chairs, then find another way to serve the Lord with your body. All three of these things are required of all of us. Every Christian needs to serve the Lord with their whole heart, their whole soul, and their whole body. Any slackness is walking towards doom. If you're not doing these things 
and there's some slackness in your life that you need to repent of, then go to the Lord. I, I want to bring this as a warning and a plea to each and every one of us, and that's myself included. I started this with a prayer saying, this is a message more for me, or just as about me as it is about you. I am that narcissistic. So, so the, the, in, in preparing for this sermon, I was sitting in Panera Bread, and I had a thousand different complaints. The internet was slow. Uh, I was tired. I didn't sleep the night before. And I could have sat there and just watched YouTube videos. And then I could have come here and I could have just been like, so like, there's a verse in the Bible that uh, I want you all to look at. Let's go home. Um, I mean, I, I could have done that. But instead, I decided not to be slack. I fought my own sin of, of slothfulness. I am a sluggard as a door turns on its hinges. Uh, <laughs> but I fought it. I did battle with it. And the Lord was gracious to affect my heart in this. May we repent of our sluggardly hearts and not be lazy in doing the Lord's work. I know uh, by time I'm over, but, you know, John did the baby dedication, so that pushed us over so you can hold your lunch in for a little bit. Brianna, Brianna was holding up fingers to tell me how long I had. Anyway, <laughs> stop talking. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, I missed it. You, there were also four minutes on the clock. So, <laughs> All right. <laughs> anyway, um, when, we, when we look back on church history, we rarely see that the lazy servant is the one who actually did something for the Lord. Uh, Martin Luther, I love Luther. Uh, anytime you give a, a German a beer and a Bible, like things seem to happen. So, <laughs> so Martin Luther uh, was somebody who was not slack in the Lord's work. He was zealous. Uh, he was excited when Erasmus's Greek New Testament came out. And Erasmus, having not read it because he's a doofus, uh, didn't, thought, oh, well, this is going to actually prove that the Roman Catholic's teachings are true. And it's going to put to death any sort of these arguments. And Martin Luther taught himself Greek and Hebrew so that he could pick up and read this new thing that came out. And what he found, especially in reading the book of Romans, is that it completely contradicted Roman Catholic teaching. He could have been slack. He could have gone, well, you know, somebody else can fight this better than me. I'm just a vulgar German, which is the, the Roman Catholics saw the Germans as especially vulgar. Um, and, and he could have said, well, you know what, I, I'm just going to put this to rest. He had a really good pension uh, at uh, Wittenborg Castle Church. He was a professor there. He, was, he, he made a lot of money uh, for his day, and he was well taken care of. But instead, he fought the fight. He posted his 95 theses, which predominantly were statements against the selling of indulgences, which if you don't know what that is, that's fine. He stood against the Roman Catholic Church. And his own, uh, he, he wanted to reform the church. He wanted to fix it. But instead, the church decided to do something even more uh, crazy, like hiring assassins to kill them. And so he had the opportunity to defend his doctrine, defend his teachings, using scripture, using tradition, using especially Augustine, because he was an Augustinian monk. Um, he, he, he had the opportunity to defend, but in fact, he was being taken to a kangaroo court uh, where, where he announced um, in his own defense, because he realized he didn't even stand a chance, he announced very clearly, here I stand, I can do no other. 
He was not slack in truth. He was not slack in his own fight against his sin of the desire to be lazy. And, and he ended up serving the Lord with his body. To rescue him from that particular uh, instance, it's called the Diet of Worms, his own friends kidnapped him. And Martin Luther tried to fight him off, but he was overweight and not very able to fight off several people. So uh, his friends kidnapped him and they, they hid him literally in a tower to protect him from the Roman Catholic Church. He served the Lord with his body by writing letters for years until it was safe for him to come out. Not all of us are going to be Luther, but none of us should be slack in our work for the Lord. Are you slack in your work for the Lord? If so, repent. Scott, are you slack in your work for the Lord? Well, yeah, repent. Let's pray. Lord, it's, it's a sobering reminder that we should not be slack. We, we will be cursed if we're slack in doing your work, in doing the things that you ordain, in serving you with all of ourselves. But I appreciate that the antithesis is also true. Blessed is the one who is zealous for the Lord's work. So God, please help us to serve with what we have. Grant us the strength to, to do the things that we need to do to serve you, to glorify you, to honor you, to praise you. May we serve you with our whole head, heart, and hands. In Jesus' name, amen.